When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So, this way sounds, huh? You probably have a bottle in your kitchen. And if you're not that much into cooking, and I'm totally here with you, Soy sauce is one of these condiments that just magically make everything taste better. You can make a ton of different sauces out of soy, and they will all be called um, soy sauce in English, even though they come from different countries and are made in rather distinct ways. But since this podcast is about Japanese culture, the only soy sauce I'm going to talk about is shoyu, the Japanese soy sauce. And with that in mind, Let's start. First, the main ingredient of soy sauce is soybeans. No surprise here. As many other things, they came to Japan from China around 2000 years ago and were an essential part of the Japanese diet ever since. Around the 8th century, the first fermented soy products were consumed in the country. And as Buddhism spread to all social classes, so did the prohibition to eat meat. From the 13th century, soybeans started to be widely cultivated in Japan. Today, more than 80 varieties are grown in the country, and yet, Japan manages to supply only 7% of beans it consumes. Seeds are sown between April and June. In summer, they become yummy but not fully matured edamame. Then they turn brown and finally can be harvested in November. Traditionally, soybean pods were beaten with the sticks to release the beans inside. And even nowadays, many farmers continue to do it this way as they think machines hit too hard and break too many beans, lowering the quality of the product. Next, all damaged beans are separated from the rest, and the sorted beans are dried under the sun on the veranda. Now, the main ingredient of the soy sauce is ready to be used. But before I tell you how the soy sauce is made and how many varieties it has, 
let's have a quick peek on its history. Again, I'm going to be talking only about shoyu here. It's not the oldest variety of soy sauce and probably China was the place where it all started, but shoyu was born in Japan. On the picture scroll of a Heian period banquet, one can see four different seasonings. Shigo, salt, su, vinegar, sake, rice wine and hishio, a brown substance made from grain and considered the forerunner of the soy sauce. At that time, hishio meant something fermented in salt. Pickling in salt happened in Japan since ancient times, but as there was yet no writing system, the first time we see a Chinese character for hishio is year 701, when it appeared in Taihoritsudo code. And since you can ferment any type of food, early varieties included uobishio made with fish, shishibishio made with meat, Kusobishio made with grasses and vegetables, and Kokubishio made with grains. But while fish and meat-based sauces were easier to make, simply because they rot fast, Buddhist made Japanese people mainly stick with the plant-based options. In areas located further from the ancient political center of Yamato, aka present-day Kansai region including Nara, Kyoto and Osaka, you can still try a few fish-based sauces. Shotsuru in Akita Prefecture, Ishiru in Ishikawa, and Ikanaga Shoyu in Kagawa. But it's a rarity. Most people don't even know something like this exists. Now let's fast forward to the 13th century. By that time, Japan was already a pretty cool country. But if you wanted to learn something new, China was the place to go. And it was rather common for Japanese Buddhist monks to go study in China and bring back home not only new religious thoughts, but also practical things, such as new tools, medicine or recipes. The legend of Kokokuji Temple in Wakayama Prefecture tells us about Zen monk Kakushin, who went to China and brought back the recipe of Kinzanji miso. A type of miso paste you don't use in cooking, but instead eat as a side dish with rice. Kinzanji miso was made using soybeans, barley and different vegetables. Beans and barley were cooked, mixed with salt and vegetables and left to ferment for a while. As salt has the power to suck out water, blackish liquid was forming at the bottom of the vat. And the legend has it, once somebody messed up and so much liquid was formed that it started leaking. Since nothing went to waste in medieval Japan, monks sampled the liquid to check if it's edible and were surprised by the taste. They tried cooking with it and the result was delicious, so they started using it as a seasoning. Soon the simple method spread around the nearby villages and a small town of Yuasa became the birthplace of shoyu. Now, if any of you know Chinese characters, you'd be wondering why soy sauce has a character for oil in it. Shoyu is written with two characters, the first one being shō or hishio, the word used for such sauces for centuries already, and the second one is yu or abura, oil. 
This pair first appears during the late part of the 16th century, and the answer is simpler than you might think. Soy sauce at the time was much thicker than the one we know now, and its dark, lustrous appearance just reminded people of oil. Soon after comes the 17th century and everybody's favorite Edo period. As the political center moves away from Kyoto and Osaka to Edo, the new biggest city in Japan finds itself without many essential supplies. All the best manufacturers are in Kansai, and everything has to be delivered, which is pricey. Another linguistic note here. When somebody gives you a present in Japan, they'd probably say something like It's a boring thing. And you will answer Of course not, thank you so much for your troubles. And then put your present aside and won't open it until the guest leaves. Good etiquette, but what a torture. But I went off topic. Kudaranai is a negative form of kudaru. Literally, to go down but often used referring to somebody or something coming from a capital. So nowadays all trains going to Tokyo are going up, and all going from Tokyo are going down. Ask people from Kyoto and they will disagree with that, because for most of Japanese history, Kyoto, the imperial capital, was up, and whatever else was down. Sake, soy sauce and other high-quality products and luxuries were coming to the growing city of Edo from the capital region. So, they were things that came down. Kudari mono. It was something worth paying for, something exciting to receive. And kudaranai mono was the exact opposite. Something boring and mundane. But let's continue with our story. Edo couldn't continue to depend on goods coming from the capital for much longer and two soy sauce production centers were established near the city. They were Noda and Choshi, in modern-day Chiba prefecture. Craftsmen from Yuasa told locals how to produce the sauce, and in case of Noda, the location was just perfect to transport the goods using Edogawa River. Things went well, and while in 1726, 76% of soy sauce consumed in Edo were so-called kudarimono shoyu, soy sauce from the capital region. A hundred years later, in 1821, more than 98% of it was produced locally. Here I'd have to say that tastes of Edo and Kyoto always were quite different. And it is not, well, not only, because people of Edo were not as refined as inhabitants of the old capital. Edo had a completely different way of eating, and soy sauce from Kansai was a bit bland for the types of food people ate there. So breweries in Noda and Choshi put their effort into making what we now know as the classic dark soy sauce, or koikuchi shoyu, great for sushi and tempura. Seems like the people of Edo loved their soy sauce. Famous poet Ota Nanpo even wrote a poem about it, saying a hermit can leave all those desires, except bean paste, sake, and soy sauce. Now, take your time and try to remember any soy sauce brand name. Ready? Well, I bet you sort of kick common. 
Let me know if other name came to your mind first. The history of scotch and pumpers of soy sauce industry started with the beginning of soy sauce making in Noda in 1661. By the end of the 18th century, the city was established as a soy sauce making center with a growing number of breweries. In 1873, soy sauce with turtle shell logo made by Mogi Saheji family took a prize at Vienna World's Fair. Four years later, brewers of Noda form a powerful soy sauce makers association. Everything in Noda was about soy sauce. Even the local bank was called Shoyu Ginko. It was written with different characters, but who are we trying to fool? Established in the year 1900 by a soy sauce association. 1917 is a big year for future Kikkoman. Eight biggest manufacturers of Noda join into Noda Soy Sauce Corporation. Out of many existing logos, the one with turtle shell was picked to represent the company. Turtle shell being Kikko, a lucky charm for longevity and prosperity, as according to the legend, turtle lives 10,000 years. And man being man, literally 10,000 years. The company was programmed for success but realized it only 10 years later, officially becoming Kikkoman in 1927. During the Second World War, soybeans were a luxury, and while according to my favorite history show for kids of all ages, Horrible Histories, and seriously, if it will continue, I will watch it even after I retire, in other countries people were making fake meat or bread. Japan was making fake soy sauce. During the occupation, many American soldiers got accustomed with soy sauce, so in 1957 Kikkoman decided to open a branch in San Francisco. But at first, sales were not good. General American population didn't like the smell of sauce and called it bug juice. The solution was teriyaki sauce. White wine instead of sake, syrup and soy sauce poured over the chicken, it matched the American tastes. And, after many successful campaigns in supermarkets around the country, teriyaki even appeared in American dictionaries. It started the soy sauce boom. Other soy sauce dishes started to kick in and special cooking classes entered the market. By 1970s, America was obsessed with soy sauce. So, in 1973, Kikkoman opened its first factory in Wisconsin. And that's how soy sauce started to spread all over the world. In 2010, more than 1 million kiloliters of soy sauce were consumed worldwide. And while consumption in Japan decreases with westernization of a diet, shoyu is sold and enjoyed in more than 100 countries. Now we finally came to the question of how shoyu is made. Ingredients for the soy sauce are very simple. Water, soybeans, wheat and salt. Preparation of soybeans finishes in November and that's the time production of the soy sauce would start at a traditional brewery. There are still many old-fashioned breweries in Japan, but when we look at the production volumes, they are responsible for just around 1% of the sauce. 
On the contrary, almost 80% of manufacturers nowadays won't even use soybeans to make the sauce. They would use whatever left after soy oil production. It's not bad per se, but there is discussion about the flavor. High-quality sauces, though, are still made from the whole soybeans, or maru daizu. And then barrels. These beautiful old wooden barrels are almost gone now, and there are just a few craftsmen capable of making them. And while all this is said, we cannot stop the progress. So instead, let's follow the beans on their way to become a soy sauce. First, beans are steamed and mixed with roasted and ground wheat. Then, koji mold, aspergillus odise, is added and carefully mixed in. Left in a special room for around 4 days, the mold breeds. Now, not confusing at all, the full mixture is called koji. This is the base creating the flavor of the soy sauce. Koji the mixture is then put into a wooden white, steel or concrete in factories, and the solution of salt and water is added. The resulting mash is now called moromi. Moromi is then left to ferment, but everyday workers would come to say hi and mix it with a long pole, helping more air to get in and enhance the fermentation. Up to this stage, the process seems to be the same, be it a small brewery or the large factory. But now the miracle of old-fashioned soy sauce making is going to happen. Usually there would be nothing pleasant about it, but Japan is a very moldy country. It's warm and humid, so mold grows easily. And so does rice, which also grows mold which is then used to make sake, soy sauce and many other fermented yummies Japan has to offer. So, this is koji. But if you look at the brewery, it looks moldy too. White spots here and there on the walls and beams. In fact, all breweries are often homes for several dozen types of mold. And as Moromi ferments, making a nice slight popping sound, the mold reacts with it, giving shoyu of that brewery its unique taste and aroma. So when traditional brewery gets reconstructed, extra care is put to preserve this organism on beans and pillars. Some old planks are reused in a new building to spread the mold, and pure and treated wood would be used elsewhere to help them grow. This fermentation continues for around one and a half to two years, when the mixture looks and smells delicious, it's time to squeeze the sauce out of mature moromi. The mixture is taken out of the vat and wrapped in cloth. As layers of cloth are piled together, the liquid is forced out. But the fermentation didn't stop yet. So the liquid is simmered in an iron pan over gently burning firewood for half a day to stop fermentation and stabilize the flavor. By the change of aroma, you'll know that the sauce is ready. Time to bottle and sell. Now let's stop for a moment to admire the result. What's awesome about soy sauce is that it has five flavors. Proteins in beans turn into amino acids to give umami, fermented wheat brings out the sweetness, 
salt is salty, using fire on the final stages gives bitterness. And as sauce gets lactobacteria on the way, it's a bit sour too. And it also has more than 300 different aroma components, whatever that means. But we're not done yet, as shoyu comes in 5 variations, made for different purposes. There are around 1600 soy sauce makers in Japan, and the sauce from each brewery will taste different. Yet, if you know these 5 types, finding the right sauce for the right occasion will be a breeze. Believe me, I spent enough time looking at the supermarket shelves, wondering why variety is a burden well, it is supposed to be a bliss. So, type number one, koikuchi shoyu, or the dark soy sauce. It is the most commonly used type with strong color and taste. That's the soy sauce invented in Edo and still most popular around Kanto region, used for oden, tempura and sushi, as well as in home cooking. Number two, Usukuchi shoyu, or light soy sauce. Usukuchi shoyu is paler and has milder flavor than the dark one. It was born in Tatsuno, Hyogo Prefecture. Invented by Maruo Magoemon in 1666, it is still mainly used in Kansai. It is perfect to bring out flavors of vegetables, so if you had a chance to visit Kyoto, imagine refined Kyoto cuisine with its subtle flavors. By the way, Usukuchi has refinedness as its selling point, be careful, it actually has around 10% more salt than the dark soy sauce as it ferments for a shorter time. There are also varieties with rice added. Number 3. Specially fermented soy sauce Born in Yamaguchi Prefecture, Saishikomi Joyu is the darkest, the thickest and the richest in flavor, and also has a very strong umami. To make saishikomi, you first make a regular dark soy sauce. Then prepare a next batch of beans, wheat and koji. But now, instead of salty water, add your previously made soy sauce on it. It takes twice the time and resources to make saishikomi sauce, but the result worth all the struggles. Number 4. Rich tamari sauce. And here it gets confusing again. When you read about tamari, half of the sources will tell you about the old technique, where sauce was just collected from moromi without pressing it. The other half will go over nowhere about gluten-free tamari sauce. So, seems like tamari is actually both. But luckily for all gluten intolerant people out there, the old-style tamari is very rare. Made by just a few breweries, it is definitely not something you'll find in a supermarket. No wheat means more beans and more amino acids as proteins ferment, so more umami. Tamari production also requires up to 50% less salty water. Bad news though, the formula allows tamari to actually have up to 20% wheat, so read your labels. Thick in texture and deep in flavor makes tamari great for sashimi. Invented in central Japan, it is still most popular around Nagoya and Nagano. 
And the last one on the list is white soy sauce. Also born in central Japan, Aichi Prefecture to be exact, it is the lightest in color, hence name. Lighter color is reached by using more wheat than soybeans. This sweeter light soy sauce is often used for clear soups or light colored dishes. Now you know pretty much everything there is to know about the soy sauce, let me tell you a story of one iconic soy sauce bottle. Kikkuman soy sauce bottle with a stable white bottom and thin bottleneck, bold golden letters and red plastic lid. You've seen it many times and probably thought it's something rather new. But guess again. Kikkuman bottle turns 60 next year. It was invented in 1961 by a man with an unusual name, Ekuan Kenji. Born in Hiroshima, he witnessed the atomic bomb. Before that, he was going to be a monk, uh, hence the name, but decided to change his life and become a creator of things. One of many iconic things he designed was a small table-sized soy sauce bottle for Kikkoman. Design looks similar to Sake Flask. Stable, compact, it also makes it easy to see how much soy sauce is left and prevents dripping. A small glass bottle took around 3 years and 100 prototypes to complete, but when Kikkoman brought it to the overseas market, it soon became the first association people had with Japanese cuisine. Since then, more than 300 million dispensers have been sold, and in 2015 the iconic design was even included in the collection of New York's Museum of Modern Art. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please don't forget to like and subscribe not to miss any future episodes and check out japanexplained.com where you can learn even more about this and other topics described in the podcast as well as share your thoughts about them. Talk to you soon. Bye. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.